The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we conclude a message from Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 about letting things slip. Yesterday we saw that we could neglect our salvation, and at the point where we interrupted the message due to lack of time, we were discussing the fact that even though you can neglect your salvation, you can never lose it. But you can let things slip. And that doesn't affect our eternity, but it greatly affects our walk here in this life. It affects our joy. It affects our peace. It affects the blessings that we enjoy. Most of all, it affects our fellowship with God. Join us today as we conclude this message about letting things slip. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Sometimes people read and they don't read. You, it doesn't say here you can lose your salvation, but you can neglect your salvation. John chapter 10 teaches us about losing our salvation. Back over in John chapter 10 and verse 27, notice what he says here. He says, my sheep, this is Jesus talking now, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. That should be our first clue that we're not talking about losing our salvation. Because if the life were, is eternal, it's not going to end ever. If, it were, if it's something you could lose, it would not be called eternal. But here he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. People will say, well, yeah, but you, no man can pluck you out of his hand, but you can pluck yourself out of your hand. Are you a man? Are you any man or woman? He's not just talking about men here. Beloved, no man can pluck you out of the hand of God. And by the way, Jesus and God are one, he says. In fact, see, that's the ultimate satisfaction and security that we have from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 where he said, He shall save his people from their sins. Praise God, salvation is solely and wholly in the hands of God. Because if it were in my hands, even to the smallest, tiniest degree, I'd mess it up. You know, I've told you my stories. I'm not going to go back over them about trying to fix Sherry's lamp and couldn't fix it and fixing other things and trying to work on things and messing them up so bad. If I mess something up as small as a lamp, man, don't give me my eternal salvation to accomplish don't even give me eternal salvation to finish. And praise God, I don't have to. Because Jesus said in John 19 and verse 30, it is finished. That Greek word tetelestai, which means it has come to a conclusion. It is over. It is done. Praise God. You cannot lose your salvation. But, oh, beloved, you can neglect your salvation. You can neglect it. Turn over to chapter 6 of Hebrews. I want to, again, I don't want to harp on this point, but I want to explain it because it's important to us in a timely sense that we get this right. Chapter 6 and verse 1, we'll just begin there. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, and this will we do if God permit. Now look at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, now, let me just stop right here and say this. If our Armenian friends are correct, that you can lose your salvation, then according to this verse, you only get one shot at it. Because it says if you do lose it, it's impossible to be restored. It's impossible. If this is talking about eternal salvation, and you ever once are born again, and then you lose that salvation, it's impossible. 
to be restored. If that is talking indeed about eternal redemption. But I don't believe here that it's talking about falling away eternally. But it's talking about falling away in time. Falling away in time. In fact, in Luke's account of the parable of the sower, he speaks of those that were, the, the word that was sown on stony ground. That's in the eighth chapter, by the way, over there of Luke. He speaks of the, the, the seed being sown on stony ground, and he talks about them falling away. Those are children of God, beloved. Did you know that you and I can fall away? We can fall away from that which we once stood upon. I know people who have fallen away from their fervor in Christ. I know people who have fallen away from their diligence in the attendance of God's church. I know people that have fallen away from their belief in the doctrines of grace. I know people like this. And in fact, I've done it myself from time to time. You see, the, what he's teaching here is this. He's saying that it's impossible for you to renew them, but not impossible for God. Back over in 2 Timothy, I believe it is, maybe 1 Timothy, I always mix it up um, here. In, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24, uh, we read about how we're to approach those who have uh, fallen away or who have gotten mixed up on things. It says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. I want to tell you something. You're not ever going to argue anybody into the kingdom of God. You're not ever going to browbeat anybody into the kingdom of God. Or if you do, they're not going to stay very long. Because <laughs> they're not there for the right reasons. That old idea of Bible and sword that the Catholic Church promoted when they came out conquering all these lands and they, they promoted it. It said, you'll either convert or we'll kill you. <laughs> I want to say to you that never has worked and it will not work today. But here's, how, here's what does work. The servant of the Lord must not strive. You find yourself striving with somebody, you just need to back up and start over. Take a new tack. He said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. If you're trying to talk to people about the doctrines of grace or about church or about anything, about their conduct, about the way they're living their lives, you've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to show them from the Word of God, apt to teach in meekness. You don't go to them in pride, let me tell you. It won't, go, it won't get you anywhere. You won't get anywhere with me coming to me in pride. I hope I, I'll be godly enough to not lift myself up in pride. And, you know, usually what happens, though, is when somebody bows up with me, I bow up with them. <laughs> you know, but that's not the way we're to do either. He said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. I believe what he's talking about there is, is that, well, some say that's talking about those that are in opposition to us. I believe the way it reads is talking about those who are in conflict with their, their true nature. You know, there's a part of every child of God who's been born again that wants to know the truth of God's word. You know, there's a deep down part. The truths that we preach here, every child of God, there's a part of them that, de that desires the, to know this, to understand that salvation is by grace alone. But there's a part of them that opposes themselves because so many of us, we want to we get ourselves inserted into the process. But notice it says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if maybe you'll be eloquent enough to be able to convert them. Is that what it says? <laughs> I don't think so. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance 
to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, I've, I've seen many people in my ministry come to understand the doctrines of grace, the truths of this word, and to grasp, get a hold of them and grasp them. And do you know in not one case can I claim any credit for it? You know, sure, we ought to, I can, I can say, well, I taught it, I preached it, I shared it, you shared it, you need to do that, you need to do that with everyone you can, any opportunity you have. But as far as every case I can think of, you know, I can look back and think, now I think if I do this, they'll do that. Well, it's just like some of those old, old cows with a little Hereford in them, a little ear in them. Just about the time I think if I do this, they'll do that. When I do this, they do the opposite, <laughs> you know. But you know what happens? God works it in every case where he gets the glory. Every case he gets the glory. Now, we ought to be faithful. We ought to do what we should be doing, live our lives in the way we should, teach and, and preach these truths, but understand that God is the one that will peradventure give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, first of all, we need to get out of this that it's God, what he's talking about in Hebrews 6, what he's talking about here is God granting repentance. But secondly, from putting ourselves in the place of that one, understand that it is a bad place to be when you have fallen away and neglected this great salvation that we have. Because here he, he describes those who have fallen away or those who are not where they should be in their walk with their understanding of God as being in the snare of the devil. And I tell you, I don't, want, I don't like snares, much less the snare of the devil. And they're taken captive by him at his will. You can neglect your salvation. And beloved, notice back in Hebrews 2, our salvation is so great a salvation. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? First of all, it's founded upon the word of God. We read about it in the word of God. And he tells us in verse 2 there that the angels, uh, he said, the word spoken by angels was steadfast. Now, I don't know if he's talking there about supernatural beings. I su suspect he is talking about angels that came down and spoke things to humans. But I also believe he's talking about the messengers. That's what the word angel means. The messengers, that is the prophets, that is the those who are inspired by God to say, uh, to speak the things of God, and we're told it was steadfast. Beloved, this word of God is steadfast. That means it's stable, it's firm, it's trustworthy, it is sure. And beloved, in the world we live in, do we, don't we need something that's steadfast and sure? I, you know, I told you earlier, I can turn on one news channel, and if I buy into what they're what they're teaching and promoting, it's going to be diametrically opposed to this other news channel that's teaching something totally opposite. You know, I can turn this channel on and this channel on, and before, before you know it, as Brother Sonny Piles used to say, you'll be as confused as a termite and a yo-yo. <laughs> you'll be all mixed up because which one do I believe? Who's telling the truth? Well, the bottom line is cut those news stations off and open this up. <laughs> And this is the truth. We have something that we can stand upon. We have something that is firm and foundational. In Psalm 119 and verse 128, he said, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Why do I tell people to come to church? 
Why do I tell people to read their Bible? Why do I tell people to stay in the Word and stay in church? You know, listen, I love to see you here. I love the fellowship we have. But the reason for being here and the reason for the fellowship is, number one, God told us to be here. You know, no other, no better reason than that, right? I used to ask Daddy, why, Daddy? And he said, because I said so. <laughs> That's good enough, right? Because I said so, God said. But secondly, he did it because he knew we would need it. He knew we needed the fellowship of the saints because he knew what the world was like. Listen, you don't have to tell Jesus Christ about depravity. He not only lived among it, but he experienced it on the cross. I can't even fathom that. The Lord Jesus Christ was not depraved. He had no Adamic nature, and yet upon the cross he became sin for us. He became it. He enveloped it. I don't know how it happened, but he experienced it in a way you and I even can never comprehend it. You see, our salvation is so great, and it's founded upon these precepts, and it helps us. It's salvation to be here. It saves us, not eternally, but from this crooked generation. See, the problem is not with the Word of God. It was spoken by the Lord and confirmed by the apostles. And by the way, in verse 4, he talks about the signs and the wonders. You know, many people today say you still have to see those and experience those in order to be really saved. Those passed away with the apostolic church age. There was a reason for them back then. It was to prove which message was real, which message was, was the correct message. But Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 19, he, he talks about, oh, Peter said, I heard the Lord speak. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, I heard the Lord speak out of heaven. He said, I was there. I, said, I heard it when, on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. You know what that is? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Our, our salvation is so great. And we of all people, who elevate God to the proper place on his throne and denigrate man down to the proper place in the gutter and understand that it was God that reached down and saved his people from their sins and brought us up out of a miry pit, out of the miry clay, out of a horrible pit and set our feet upon a rock and established our goings. We of all people ought to be inspired to do good and to follow him. So now in just the few minutes we have left, what things is it that we must not let slip. Well, I don't have time to go through all the things, but Acts 2.42 tells us about some of the things. In Acts chapter 2, and after the day of Pentecost, after, as, at the end of the day of the Pentecost, after that great revival was experienced there and people joined the church, and it says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly. There's that word steadfast applied to us. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Beloved, we need to continue steadfastly in the doctrine of Christ. Don't, don't be afraid of doctrine. Grasp hold of it and understand. You know, we need to understand that salvation is all of him and not of us. 
Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I know most people stop there, but let me tell you, the things He's talking about are contained in verses 29 and 30 and following. He said, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, whom He called, them He also justified, whom He justified, them He also glorified. We need to hold on to these things. In fact, that phrase, that passage there that I just quoted to you comes at the culmination of Paul's lament about the sin curse within him and the sin curse around him. And he says, what is it that I can hold on to? I can only hold on to the things God has done. Don't let them slip. We don't need to let them slip. Ephesians 1 and verse 4, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto Himself. And He goes on to talk about the eternal salvation we have there. We don't need to let those things slip. But also, in Ephesians chapter 4, sometimes we stop as old Baptists, we like Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, but we, we sort of close the book after Ephesians 2. And over in Ephesians 4, we read about how we ought to walk. He said in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. There ought to be a difference in the way we walk. And that means the way we live our lives out there. there. This ought to make a difference. What we're reading about, the doctrine of the apostles, ought to make a difference in our lives. People may not agree with us, but they ought to be able to look at us and say, you know, I don't understand what they believe. I don't agree with what they believe. But you can't argue with the way they live. Don't walk like other Gentiles. Don't let that slip. He said, in the vanity of their mind, have the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. He goes on to talk about all these things that they're doing. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. And he says in verse 22 that you put off. You know, there's some things you need to take off as a child of God. When the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth, nobody but God could, could raise him from the dead. But after he raised from the dead, he came out still clothed in the grave clothes. He looked at those around and said, now you loose him and let him go. We need to take some grave clothes off. If you've been born of the Spirit, you don't need to live like you haven't been. What I was going to preach this morning was about what a difference it makes to be born again. What, it doesn't just pass through us like a rabbit through a log. <laughs> you know, that old hollow log theory doesn't work, Brother Mackey. It just, there's a difference, and we ought to live like there's a difference. Let no, verse, down in verse 23, let be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, verse 24. Put away lying, verse 25. Look down at verse 29. These are some things we need to hold on to and not let slip. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Don't let that slip. You know, I can testify as one who had a problem with my speech many, many years. It is so hard not to let that slip, even today, even today. If, you've ha if you hadn't started cussing, don't start, because it'll be hard to stop. <laughs> if you are, don't let it slip. Don't let it slip out. Don't let it, you know, it, it's easy to let it slip, isn't it? <laughs> it's easy to let that slip out. 
But you've got to hold on to it. He said, don't let it slip, you see. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Listen to this one here. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know how easy it is to let the root of bitterness spring up within you? You don't have to do a thing. Somebody else will do it for you. They'll say something you don't like. They'll hurt your feelings. They'll speak something they shouldn't. Next thing you know, you know, I, I struggle with that. Somebody says something to me or about me or, and hear that little root of bitterness. I'm not having to make it grow. It's growing on its own. Boy, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If I don't, you know what I have to do? I have to tamp it down. I have to put a little roundup on it. <laughs> a little biblical roundup. I have to, have to put the love on it. I have to remember that that person that said something might have been having a bad day. That person that said something might have just uh, not really meant it the way I thought that it was meant. That person that did something uh, maybe regrets it now and doesn't know how to tell me. I've got to remember that. And more than that, even if they don't, I've got to remember that how many times have I offended the Lord Jesus Christ? And he didn't let bitterness spring up within him and say, you know what? I've had it. I've, that's all I can take. That's all I can take. Praise God he didn't do like me. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, people rarely make a sudden break with the church. It's usually little by little and step by step. And I heard this say, saying, and I shared it on Facebook. I don't share a lot on Facebook, but I shared this. The problem with missing church is that pretty soon you don't miss church. You know, that's the way I've experienced in my life. That's the way it goes. And see, again, the purpose of being together is the Lord told us to, but also how can we exhort one another if we're not together? Well, I've got to bring this to a close. Just remember the prodigal son. It's so much easier to let things slip than not to. Nobody ever intends to end up in the pig pen. The prodigal son did not leave home saying, you know, I can't wait till I get to the end of my journey, which is going to end up with me down here in the hog pen, lusting after the husks of this world. That's not what he did. He was partying it up. He thought he was going to have a big old time. But it always ends in the pig pen when we let things slip. He said, let us be diligent that we don't let these things slip. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, 
please visit us online at zionpbc.com.